You're listening to the Child Life Cooperative Podcast, a place where child life professionals share their real and honest stories with host and certified child life specialist, Allie Jones. In a world where social media, blogs, and Etsy shops can be a source of marketing the child life field, one child life specialist leads the trend. This week, Diane Morales, a child life specialist known for her adventures in child life blog, shares her expertise about how to win over reluctant staff, gives insight to some of her creative go-tos, and shares background for her success with her blog and Etsy shop. Here's this week's Honest Story. Hello, Child Life Cooperative listeners. I am so excited to have another episode of the Child Life Cooperative podcast to share with you guys because this week I am interviewing the one and only Miss Adventures in Child Life. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Now, you are not just Miss Adventures in Child Life. Would you like to share your your full name? (laughs) Yeah, my name is Diane Morales. Hello, Diane. So, Diane, just kind of starting off, can you tell us a little bit about Adventures in Child Life and what that platform looks like for you? Sure. So, I found out about Child Life when I was in college. Um, One of my professors... One of my child development professors, I was on a child development track. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to work with kids, but I didn't really know what I was going to do with kids. I was in this child development major, and one of my professors, very briefly in like one sentence, was like, oh, and another thing you can do is become a child specialist. Okay, and then moved on. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. I wrote it down in my notes, and then I that afternoon I went home and Googled it, And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm. So I, after that Google search, I started to look up, like, everything about child life. And I wanted, I found back then the Child Life Council, but I found their website and I found a a couple of things. But I really wanted to find, like, a blog that showed the ins and outs of what it was to be a child life specialist. Someone's playroom or, like, a child life specialist with, like, her feet up on her desk, like, oh, my God, what a busy day. Or, I don't know, I just wanted to see, like, what it was to be a child life specialist, and I couldn't find that. So I was like, oh, well, I'll make my own blog. First, it was a lot of just, like, I even, like, started the blog off on Tumblr, And at first I was just like reposting things that I would like find on Pinterest, like, oh, this would be a cute activity for deep breathing or I don't know, little things that I would go back, go and like repost. Um, And then I kept the blog through my time volunteering, through my practicum, through my internship, through getting certified, through my first job and up until today. Wow, that's awesome. I don't think I realized that it started so early for you, this, this whole adventure that you started sharing about it from the very beginning. (laughs) What was it that kind of drew you to child life initially? Like you said that you're like, oh my goodness, this is it. What, what was the it factor for you? You know, I, I just, I felt like it was just like love at first sight. (laughs) I, it was everything that I wanted. I wanted to work with kids. I wanted to make that big impact in a really scary moment. I was more inclined. I wanted to work more with kids one-on-one versus in a big group, which is why I didn't really want to go into teaching. And I love the medical field and was always wanting to get into the medical field, but also didn't want to be a nurse or a doctor because, I mean, mean, just to me, that part of 
medicine is boring. <laughs> I care more about the patient and how they're coping and all that that other side of it. It was just like the best of everything I wanted. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. And it, I mean, just even seeing the content that you produce, your creativity shows like your ability to engage these kids in such creative and meaningful ways. It, it definitely seems from the outside looking in like such a great fit for you. Thanks. When you initially chose to do the blog, was that like a scary decision or how did you choose to take the plunge? The blog, I didn't ever think that it was going to be something that I would keep forever and like into my career. I, I was, I don't know. I never really thought twice about it. I was like, Oh, let me just make one and post little things. So if anything, I can go back to my own blog and like find stuff that I wanted to save or whatever. And now I'm just so grateful that I've, I did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's taken off. I mean, it seems like you are such a prominent name in the field where so many students know to look for your blog and your content and have been really encouraged by your story and your journey, which is so awesome. And you recently also opened an Etsy shop, which congratulations. Yes. Thank you. That is awesome. How did that idea start to take shape? Well, similar to the blog, I wanted stuff that says child life on it. I wanted to promote child life and what it was and and all the greatness that it is. And I, I remember I went to national conference. I think it was the one in New Orleans in 2014, I think it was. And I bought, they were selling uh, like tumblers that had uh, just like the word child life on it. And I bought one. And when I brought it back to work, other, the, my coworkers were like, oh, they sell cups that say child life. There's more than one of you out there. And I was like, yes, of course. I went to an entire <laughs> conference of, with child life specialists. I'm not the only one. And just like little things like that always just kept me like, I need to make it. I'm just going to do it myself. I'm just going to do it myself. I, I want this and I'm sure other people want it too. And thus came my Etsy shop. <laughs> wow. Diane, this is so cool talking to you of hearing how you are a woman that you see a need and you do it, which is so neat. I don't think a lot of people operate that way. A lot of times I think it can be easy to be like, oh, I mean, that would be nice. Maybe someone else will do it. But you really have taken ownership to market and brand our field in so many ways, which is awesome. Thank you for that. How can people go and find your Etsy shop for our listeners today who should totally pause this podcast and go check it out right now? (laughs) How can they do Um, that? So if you... If you go to my blog, adventuresinchildlife.com, there's a link right on the front page that says Etsy shop, and you can just click on that. Mm, That's awesome. So you do this in your own spare time, but you also are a child life specialist full-time, correct? Yes, 40 hours a week. (laughs) Okay, so how do you balance both? What's that like? So that part gets kind of tricky um, with working full-time, having the blog, and all the social media connected to the blog, as well as the the Etsy shop and having time to make the orders. Um, A lot of the stuff that I do, I hand make. So I literally need time to make the products that I'm selling. And it's it's hard because in child life, you hear about self-care and disconnecting when you get home and not bringing work home. So it's hard for me because my hobby is also my job. Mm-hmm. So honestly, it's all about balance. I have to like, 
I have scheduled times um, and days of the week where like, okay, Tuesdays and Thursdays after work from like six to eight, I'll do stuff for my shop or blog or work on different content that I want to upload. But definitely having those boundaries definitely helps keep me balanced with all of my all the stuff on my plate. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really good advice. I think the more that we can kind of set concrete parameters and goals for definitely. ourselves, it helps us really yeah. achieve that. Yeah. And definitely just like being strict with yourself and even like, well, let me just do it. It's just one little thing. I can just do it. Like, no, you mm-hmm. do whatever else, but mm-hmm. it's not time to be doing that. It's time to be relaxing. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm curious then on a, on a really hard day when you've had tough patient experiences and things like that, um, it sounds like creating is kind of your hobby and your self-care. What else would you like to do for self-care? Like, <laughs> So I love going to yoga. I haven't been in like two weeks, um, but I've been going three times a week. I absolutely love it. So I would say that that's definitely one of my big outlets. It gets in an exercise and also... Um, all the mindfulness and the deep breathing and relaxation. So I definitely would say that yoga is one of my top self-care activities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also I have two dogs at home and a tortoise. So spending time with them always just like flips my day around and makes me so happy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and a tortoise? And a tortoise, which my dog found in my backyard. <gasps> No way. Yeah, isn't that weird? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> wow, what a fun fact about you that I didn't expect to hear today. That's yeah. so awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that is very helpful to have sweet little companions to to connect with at the end of the day, too. What unit oh, are you working in right now at the hospital? So right now I'm working on our inpatient surgery and orthopedic unit. Okay. Awesome. And I, I was looking through some of your experience too. So you, did you start out at an ER? Was that one of your first jobs then? Yeah. So my first two years as a child life specialist, I worked in a pediatric emergency room, Mm -hmm. which was about 24 beds in a children's hospital within an adult hospital. I was the only child life specialist there. And I loved, 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 loved the ER. I loved it. It was fast. It was crazy. Every day was different. I loved the team that I worked with. We all worked so cra- so tightly together. Mm. It was I. It was a. I loved it. I loved the ER. And then I I switched to another local children's hospital. That's a standalone children's hospital. And then here I've been a little over two years, and I've worked on the respiratory unit in the NICU and now in surgery and orthopedic. Wow, quite the diverse experience, which is great. I'm curious for you too. So you're fresh out of your internship, even completing your internship and you get a job at the ER, which is so neat to hear that you loved it so much. Did you think that you would going in? Was like the ER always something that you were excited about? Absolutely not. Really? <laughs> um, yeah. So my internship was, I spent two weeks on each unit and I remember telling my internship supervisor after my ER rotation, I was telling her, I was like, it was great, but not for me. I didn't like it. It was too fast. I barely have time to build rapport with the patients. 
I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Mm. Um, then surely enough, that's exactly where I ended up first and I ended up loving it. Interesting. What kind of changed for you from your internship to your job? During your internship, you kind of gravitate to different things that you like, but until you're on the unit, on your own, being the specialist, um, that's when you really get to like know the ins and outs of it and like find your true passion for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, I completely get that. Like once it's kind of your own that you really experience that ownership and that sense yeah. of um, belonging in that way too. When you came to the ER, it sounds like um, from what I've seen that you kind of renewed a child life program there. So can you kind of walk us through what your experience was doing that? Yeah, so there had been a, uh, like a two-year gap between their last child life specialist and when I started. Um, so there were like a box of like old toys in like a faraway storage room and some of the staff kind of knew what child life was and it wasn't like a completely new concept that I was trying to bring to them. So a lot of what I worked on first was just building rapport with the staff and finding my resources. And that really, really helped me to build that rapport with the staff first. So I became really good friends with all of my coworkers and really just started figuring it out. Um, I mean, the ER gets so busy that there's no time to like be nervous and worry and, oh, but, but, wait, I don't have this. And blah, blah, blah. like, there's no time for that. You have to just go and do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just jumped in the deep end of the pool and I, and I did it <laughs> and I loved it. That's awesome. I love your advice on kind of taking things slow and building that rapport first, which I have kind of an awkward confession question, but <laughs> for me personally, sometimes I feel like I really struggle with small talk, getting to know people, um, especially nurses where I'm like, so like, how was your weekend? And, you know, just feeling awkward and connecting them with them as friends. Do you have any advice to people that maybe like a little alley listening to this, that how do you, how do you build rapport with people in a professional setting and getting to know them as friends and supporters, but also coworkers? So I, also feel that I'm very awkward with small talk (laughs) Um, because especially in the ER where everything's so fast, everybody's always rushing. Nobody has time for anything. You can't just sit there and ask someone how their day is as they're like prepping things to go walk away from you. So I feel like I I focused a lot of like how I started to build my rapport with everybody was more of like helping out in ways that aren't part of my job description. So like if I see that they're like, oh, can you bring a, a blanket? Okay, hold on, I'll do it right now. I would be like, oh, look, I'll go get it for you. And I would just go do it. Also, if they, if I like went in and saw one of their patients, um, then I would come back out and say like, oh my God, your little, your little boy in seven is so cute. He said blah, 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 blah. He's so funny or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like here, oh my God, he told me he loves uh, SpongeBob. Here, take these SpongeBob stickers the next time you go in. Um, just so that the staff kind of saw that I was on their side. Um, and like there to help them not to make their job slower, like get in their way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's a neat message for all of us to think about ways to really empower the staff. 
I think sometimes child life specialists can be painted as the fun people of the hospital, but instead recognizing that like nurses and doctors can be fun too. And like, how are ways that we can help build those pathways for them to connect with the patients in that way? Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever have any conflict with, with staff members that you had to address during your time in the ER? Um, I wouldn't say conflict, but one of my big struggles when I was in the ER, so this is kind of a funny story, but when, so during my internship, our supervisors would always tell us, when you do distraction, do not use the iPad, use your other resources, you never know, the hospital you work at might not have an iPad, yada, yada, yada. And I remember me and the other intern were like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, what other, what hospital isn't going to have iPads? Like, it's 2014. Like, everybody has iPads. And sure enough, I started working in the ER, and I did not have an iPad. Oh, my word. (laughs) Yes. And it wasn't, it was really hard to get the approval to get an iPad. Um, not just to physically get one, but to get approval to like connect it to the network and use it with patients during patient care. Um, and uh, this was one of the reasons why I decided to move to a standalone children's hospital because um, I felt that a lot of the times in the children's hospital within an adult hospital, like the higher ups and other staff just didn't get it. Um, so I had to advocate so long and so hard for this iPad of why I needed it, why it was, what I was going to use it for. And they were, just didn't get it. They're like, but what do you mean you're, you're going to be in there during an IV? And I was like, yes, of course I'm going to be in there. They're like, but what are you going to do? Hold the patient? I was like, no, I'm going to distract the patient so they don't move. So then that way they're not focusing on their IV. They're focusing on the iPad and they're like, no, 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 they're going to move their kids. They're like, they just, it just, it, they, it didn't connect. They wouldn't, they didn't understand. Um, so it took me about nine months of like going to meetings and e- sending emails and trying to figure it out. And until finally I got the iPad. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was, yeah. So it was things like that, that were frustrating, um, and really put like my advocacy skills to the test. Totally. I mean, that even as I asked, I was like, oh, you probably had to advocate for like a position for comfort during an IV start. But I did not think that you would be talking about how you couldn't get an iPad. That is yeah. so crazy. But man, that must have been rewarding when it paid off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did there seem to be like a breakthrough argument or anything that seemed to really convince them, like the leadership team? I think it was just like persistence (laughs) that like I was not going to give up on this and sending like I had like tons of research on the benefits of distraction and I was just I was being really annoying but I had to be. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Absolutely sometimes it's such a delicate balance of yeah that just consistent persistence and follow through and I love the way that you use research too well done. Yes. That iPad was well-deserved. Absolutely. So kind of transitioning um, to a different kind of story slash scenario, it is now time for our What Would You Do segment. So are you ready? Yes. 
Okay, so I'm going to give you a scenario question for you to answer. Um, it doesn't have to do with iPads necessarily, but this is our, our little scenario for you to think about what are some ways that you would approach this as the child life specialist. So since you have had so much work in surgery, um, you have an eight-year-old who is about to have an intense leg surgery that could lead to an amputation. When you pull back the curtain to meet the patient, his mom is sitting next to him and looks especially anxious. You begin to explain your role in the hospital, and the mom stops you immediately and asks to speak to you in the hallway. She then firmly shares that she does not welcome your service and feels that telling her son that he may have his leg removed is, quote-unquote, too much for him to hear and forbids you from providing any sort of preparation about induction for surgery as well as the surgery itself. What would you do? That's a big one. (laughs) Right? Um, Yes. So I have never had this experience. So I feel that I would definitely first just kind of validate mom's feelings and tell her, like, I understand this is a very... um, like scary thing that's happening right now, Um, especially, like, not knowing the outcome and all of that. And just kind of explain to her again in different words what it is that I'm there to do and how I would do it. Maybe kind of break down like how, like what tools I would bring in to kind of prep him for the surgery, different words that I would use and kind of include, you know, research shows that uh, children that are prepared prior to a procedure attempt to cope better with the outcomes and everything. Mm. But if she declines again, then that gets to the point where I have to respect the parents' wishes because at the end of the day, they're the parents. I would definitely try and provide distraction while he's in the pre-op bay just to kind of tone down the anxiety level, which I'm sure, I mean, it's a fake scenario but I'm sure if mom's so anxious sitting with him in the pre-op bay I'm sure that he's also feeding off of that anxiety so I could also offer like okay well if you want like I can just bring in some activities so that we can just kind of play and get our mind a little distracted I would also touch base with the uh like the other multiple multidisciplinary team members to kind of like touch base with them let them know like hey by the way I know this surgery is happening but just gonna throw it out there patient doesn't know I don't know if this is something that you guys can would want to address also see if they could intervene or see Mm -hmm. if they can do anything Mm -hmm. but also I don't want to add more stress and tension to this already stressful situation so if it gets to that point that mom is just like absolutely not then it's absolutely not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. man I love these scenarios questions or like these what would you do scenarios because I feel like I learned so much like just with your response on taking into consideration maybe the other voices of the medical team that could talk to him and also just the reality that we have to follow the parent's lead, even if it's something that we don't agree with or that even evidence doesn't support, but that if the parent is calling the shot that we have to figure out what are the other ways that we can engage and support their family And I love your mention of like still providing service to the patient, but more in an indirect sort of way, which is so neat. Yeah. 
Well done, Diane. You did it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was so <laughs> awesome. And I hope for our listeners too, especially for our students, I'm sure that that can be a lot of valuable takeaways, which leads us now into our rapid five segment. <laughs> so five quick brief answers. Are you ready to do this closing total routine? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Hopefully it won't be as intense. No no crazy Hopefully. <laughs> awesome. So number one, what helped you decide to pull the trigger to do graduate school? Um, timing. I was working, that was, I was in grad school when I was working in the emergency room and my hours were 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. And it just felt like the right time. I, my mornings were free. I had the time. I had the time and time is precious. So I decided to just do it then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. I think I've had that question from many different students and like, should I do it? When should I do it? And so that's neat to hear your own experience of how you've decided that. That's awesome. Yeah. You'll definitely just know when it's time mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't rush it. It's okay. <laughs> if it takes a couple years, it's fine. Number two, what is one of your favorite resources you have ever shared on Adventures for Child Life? Um, I would say like the prep books. I know I put one that I found on Teachers Pay Teachers called um, What is Surgery? I use that book every single day at work. (laughs) Um, I absolutely love that book. Um, And I shared another resource, another prep book um, called, I think it's uh, Diabetes Made Simple. Um, It's on my blog. If you just search uh, diabetes, it'll pop up. I also cover a lot on the med surge unit, the general med surge unit. Um, So you do get a lot of new diagnosis of diabetes. So I always, that's always my go-to book. I love how it breaks it down and the little illustrations and everything is amazing. That's awesome. That is great. Be sure to check it out, our listeners. And all of it is free. Yeah. Oh, even better. Yes. Number three. Of uh, speaking of iPads, what is the last app that you have had open on your iPad, if you can remember? Definitely the app Meditunes, M E D I T O O N S. It has like very brief videos with like no sound, but just kind of like a cartoon video of different, I guess, diagnoses, gastro things. And one of them is uh, appendicitis. And I just love how it just shows you what appendicitis is in one minute with like no words. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have never heard of this. You are such a wealth of resources. You should like start a blog or something. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you Good for idea. that. Number four, of all the hats you balance, supervising students, the Etsy shop, blogging, and general child life services, what is one of your favorite tasks on your to-do list right now? This podcast. This is so cool. This is like, I haven't done anything like this before, so I'm highly enjoying this. Oh man, likewise. That's so awesome. I'm honored that that's one of your favorite to-do list items. That is so cool. And number five, on the additional relevant experience line of your resume, I have all my guests send me their resume. What is one of your most favorite experiences that you have? Um, So on there, I have that I became a certified kids yoga instructor. Definitely my favorite thing on there, though, is my... um, that I volunteered at a bereavement camp here in South Florida called Camp Erin. It was 
incredible. I absolutely, absolutely loved it. I had so much fun along with everybody else. And it sounds weird to keep saying, like, I had so much fun at bereavement camp. Um, but that's what it was. I mean, even the kids had so much fun. And it was so incredible to see how we would be sitting for an activity and their emotions just pour out into these different activities that we would do with them. And yeah, they would cry and we would take them to the side and just kind of validate their feelings and talk to them. And then they'd just wipe their own tears and be like, okay, oh, hey, wait, you tag, you're it. And they would just start playing again. Um, so it definitely was such a great experience. I highly recommend it. And yeah, I loved it. That sounds like such a meaningful experience for everyone involved, for you, for these kids, for them to get to know each other and and to process through that like a kid. That just sounds like such a healthy environment that you guys helped create. Thank you so much for sharing about that and about just your work as a child life specialist and with your Etsy shop and with your Adventures in Child Life blog. You really have made such an incredible impact, Diane, on our field. I know for me as a student, I found your your content early on and um, was very grateful for just your ideas that you share. I mean, even today I learned a lot, like many tools. <laughs> and I just am so thankful for you and the resource that you are for child life specialists. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share and taking the time out of your, your busy day to also be on the podcast too. Thank you so much. And same goes to you with this podcast. This is great. I love that you're doing this. Oh, well, it is truly my pleasure. And thank you so much to our listeners, too, for tuning in. Um, this wraps up our podcast for today with Miss Diane. Make sure to check out her her stuff if you haven't already. Um adventuresinchildlife.com so make sure to check her out follow her on Instagram rate and review this um, podcast as well so we can continue to share stories and make the field of child life known and in the meantime may we all learn by reflection unite for support and equip students to further and advance the child life profession thank you guys so much 